Hey, it's Adam Sank. And if you like my radio show, you'll love my comedy album, Adam Sank, live from the Stonewall Inn. <gasps> oh my goodness. What? Fellatio? Really? Available on Amazon, iTunes, and Google Play. Get ready for comedy. Elmo's horny. Politics. The gay spin on the story was like, Queen Elizabeth fucking loves us. Pop culture. I'm not a sports fan. I don't follow this shit. Sexual harassment of celebrity guests. And you are always welcome in my apartment in New York City. And by my apartment, I mean my bed. <laughs> and poetry. Hotter than Vesuvius, more well-endowed than the Mastodon. It's the Adam Sank Show on Derek and Romaine 2.0. And for the next hour, you're in the ass. <laughs> and now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Hola, damas y caballeros. Soy Adam. Y bienvenidos al culo mío. Ryan, I'm doing the whole show in Spanish today. Just shout out to my Spanish listeners. Welcome to the ass, everybody. My name is Adam Sank. Today is Sunday, February 25th. 2018 it is three o'clock eastern time and we are live two weeks in a row we're live yes which is very unusual and which caused me a uh, major heartache which we'll <laughs> talk about in just a moment but uh but we're here jb is manning the board he is our associate producer katie is uh off in a corner silently rocking wishing she were anywhere but here um you can call us at 844-TALK-DNR that's 844-825-5367 we want to hear from you tell us how you're doing tell us about any of the uh, stories that we're talking about give us your feedback um tweet about us i always love reading the tweets you can tag me at adam sank hashtag ass email me at adam at adam like the ass facebook page and most importantly donate to my aids walk page so many of you have. Um, this was my birthday week, and I solicited donations. That's all I wanted for my birthday was um, donations to AIDS Walk, as well as Hamilton tickets, which I got. But the most important thing is I've raised over $6,400 now, and I need to raise a lot more to get to 20000 which is my goal. So just go to my website, adamsank.com. That's adamsank.com. And there's a link directly to my AIDS Walk page. Our guest today is the fabulous Marty Gould Cummings. She is one of the hardest working drag queens in New York City. Uber talented, uber funny, and uh, and really cool because uh, in addition to being a drag queen, she's like a serious political activist. We're going to talk to her. Her, him. I'm not sure how Marty, the pronouns, they. Marty, per, they perhaps uh, in real life. But uh, but that little voice you just heard was my, uh, my lovely co-host for today. Everyone's favorite frost pig, <laughs> Ryan Frostig. Oink, oink. How are you, Piggy? Hey, happy birthday. Thank you. Ryan. Uh, Ryan's a little hungover today. I am. Tell us why. You had a fabulous birthday party. <gasps> I did. How does it feel to be so old? I am really old. <laughs> I'm, f- I'm 47 now. I can You're no longer... I, I'm not even legitimately mid-40s now. Now I'm late, late 40s. Late 40s, honey. That's right. Embrace up. it. I, I just don't know how it happened so fast. You look great. I agree. And you had a good birthday? I had a great birthday. Well, so, fr- okay, Friday night, uh, I saw Hamilton. <laughs> Who did you see it with? Well, I was supposed to see it with my friend Patrick Healy of the New York Times mm-hmm. because he was instrumental in getting the tickets. Mm-hmm. He didn't pay for the tickets. Okay. My parents paid for the tickets. But he made the tickets happen, yes. and he got us center orchestra seats. So I was Amazing. shitting my pants, and then at the last minute, he was unable to attend. So right. this is why it's good to be friends with Adam Sank. Mm-hmm. Because this little piggy sitting across <laughs> from me got to see Hamilton again for the second time for free back in the room where it happens. Center orchestra seats—they were amazing seats, and the show was incredible. It was a completely different experience the second time. You had seen it like a couple years, years ago. ago. Yeah, you I'm finally. The la- I was up. the last person to see it in New York City. It is, and you loved it. I can't put it into words how I felt about it. You saw me; I was weeping. Weeping. It, it's a work of staggering genius it really is if it's the only thing lin-manuel miranda ever did it would be enough for a lifetime agreed here here and 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 everyone else involved too the choreography was so beautiful the direction the the set design it was all just it's it's a historical piece of theater about history yes like it's instantly iconic it it deserves its hype it'll go down in history 
However, I was supposed to see another show. <laughs> I was supposed to see Waitress because my sister Laura very generously a few weeks ago called me and said, I want to take you to any Broadway show you want for your birthday. What do you want to see? And I was like, oh, I'd love to see Waitress with Sarah Bareilles because not only did she write the music, but she's now in it. She's yeah. starring in it. And uh, my sister said, oh, I love Sarah Bareilles. How's Sunday the 25th? And I said, perfect. Sure. <laughs> now, in case you didn't notice, today is Sunday the 25th. And Correct. Broadway matinees start on Sundays at 3 o'clock. You know what else starts at 3 o'clock? The ass. Yeah. But because I'm not normally live two Sundays in a row, right? I just was like, I'm free. And I even looked in my date book and I had failed to write down ass shows, which I do every Sunday that yeah. I have the shows. So I, You're so she's really good about that. A, I, I'm, I'm so embarrassed by this. So she spent a lot of money getting kind of last minute seats, mm -hmm. good seats to waitress. And I had to email her last night and say, I just realized I can't see the show tomorrow because I'm hosting. A radio show. Exactly, <laughs> JB. JB, once again. But she it. was a great sport, and she's taking uh, my nephew's girlfriend, who we all love. Love. Love Margo. we all love. And yes, Margo. And then uh, afterwards, I'm meeting them immediately after this show. I'm meeting uh, Laura, Margo, and my nephews, Tyler and Justin, at Five Napkin, Five Napkin Burger. Wait. Don't stalk me, but that's where I'll be eating dinner tonight. So I'll be having a little birthday celebration with her after all. Sounds and it's fun. my own fault that I don't get to see Waitress. I mean, I, I've told you this. The score is gorgeous, and it would have been amazing to hear Sarah sing her own music. Yeah. But the show is kind of like, wah, wah, wah. It's not really that great. What's it like? <laughs> Ryan, you do that so well. I'm giving that sound effect to everyone for its money. Come on. All right, so... Um, I've been chatting for, for far too long. We need to get to the news. And uh, as always, when we're live, we normally do this every two weeks, but this is only since last week, Sunday, February 18th, the last time we were live on the air. It is your Pervnado update. That's our Pervnado siren. In the past week alone, here's what happened. A top Disney executive has been accused of sexual harassment and lewd behavior. This is interesting, Ryan. Thomas Schumacher is president of Disney Theatricals, hmm. the Broadway people. He's been accused by two ex-employees of making inappropriate remarks and discussing pornography, according to the Wall Street Journal. The 60-year-old Schumacher is also the head of the Broadway League. Wow. One of the employees making the complaint is a man, baby. Yes. Who claims Schumacher made un uninvited advances and salacious and inappropriate comments, including compliments about the guy's rear end you've been I mean, guilty of that i've been guilty of that you've been guilty of that allegations also include schumacher's walking around the office in a bathrobe <laughs> while boasting that he had nothing on underneath i saw a picture of this guy and you really don't want to see him in a bathrobe uh, ford motor company has ousted the head of its north american operations raj nair over what it called inappropriate behavior Ford did not elaborate. Mr. Nair issued a statement of apology for his behavior. And now we move on to charity harassment. The British charity Oxfam is facing more than two dozen new sexual misconduct claims over the past two weeks, including aid workers accused of using prostitutes in Haiti. <gasps> like they were in Haiti to do charity work and they were and on the side sleeping with hoes. The Damn. charity fired four staff members for gross misconduct and allowed three others to resign after a previous scandal erupted in 2011. But these two dozen claims are brand new. And that's not the only charity in trouble. Here in the U.S., Save the Children has apologized <laughs> for the past inappropriate behavior of its former chief executive towards female staff. The international charity said that former CEO Justin Forsyth was investigated twice after complaints from three women about his conduct from 2011 to 2015. On both occasions, the investigation led to an unreserved apology from Forsyth, but he was never fired. He left Save the Children in 2016 only to be hired by UNICEF, <gasps> where he still works. Wow. So I don't know what UNICEF is going to do now that uh, this news that has come not out. not look good for them. Meanwhile, KIPP, K-I-P-P, one of the nation's largest and best-known charter school networks, announced late Thursday that it had fired Mike Feinberg after an investigation found credible evidence for allegations of sexual misconduct. Feinberg 
was the co-founder of this company. These are the charter schools that Trump and Betsy DeVos and sure. all the Republicans love so much. Um, Feinberg denied allegations, uh, but an independent probe, <laughs> probe, <laughs> found that an allegation of sexual abuse by a student two decades ago had credibility. It also cited an allegation of sexual harassment against Feinberg that involved a financial set settlement. Uh, and finally... Our wonderful president, Donald Trump, is facing renewed questions about his alleged sexual misconduct. Rachel Cooks, not Rachel Lee Cook, <laughs> Rachel Cooks, a woman who worked at Trump Tower, claims that the orange monster forcibly kissed her in 2006 inside the building. Trump denies kissing or even meeting her, calling it fake news. She is one of 19 women to accuse Trump of sexual misconduct that they say occurred over a span of decades. And all of that's just in the last week, Ryan Frostig. I'm exhausted. It's exhausting to read. It's exhausting to read all of that from just one week. And now it's going into charities. You think the of like children. You think of nonprofit groups and charities as like employing safe, good people. Yeah, a safe place where no yeah, not not anymore. All men are pigs. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, have you been? You have been watching the I Olympics because you've been watching them at my house. Yes, I have on I, my I, cable TV. I love to just suck all the cable TV opportunities the cable out of you. You like to suck cable. Oh! Right. Well, you must know then that there was a bit of a uh, controversy. Yes. As a German skater decided to skate to the tune of Schindler's List, it sounded something like this. This is the actual routine. I cannot find the story right now, and I absolutely have to. Her name is Nicole Schott, I believe. She chose Schindler's List theme as her uh, routine, and Twitter freaked the fuck out. Rightfully so. People were tweeting up a storm. I can't believe I can't find this story right now. I tweeted about it myself, and I didn't think this was such a funny tweet. I just said, in defense of the German skater who used Schindler's List as her theme dot 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 yeah I got nothing and I was retweeted by USA Today and the Times of Israel Good I always you. get retweeted like my tweets that aren't really that that interesting or funny but I'll take it yeah someone someone thinks they're interesting and funny meanwhile someone actually thinks you're funny it turns out that many skaters have used the theme from Schindler's List which was written by Jonathan Williams and won an Oscar um, many times including German skaters but for some reason this time it really just well, stuck in the craw of Twitter because it's, you know, 2018, everyone's woke, hypersensitive and woke. I mean, choices. Well, it's not like she was celebrating the Holocaust. I mean, Schindler's sure. List is a movie about a, a hero. Yes. A German hero who saved um, thousands of Jews from death at the camps. And it, it I mean, if, you, if it wasn't from that movie, if you just heard the piece of music, it seems, you know appropriate for a skater well i heard that skate too i heard that her original choice was if i were a rich man from fiddler <laughs> on the roof and uh this is the one that came in second but yeah if you're german and really if you're anything you probably shouldn't use the theme from schindler's list yeah. to skate too one thing to keep in mind is that steven spielberg who directed the movie refused to take any money from that movie he he called it blood money wow and he donated all the pros proceeds to i believe the holocaust museum or some other uh jewish cause so uh, anyone who uses it for their own benefit? Mm. Questionable. Questionable choices. choices. No, you're just a horrible person feeding <laughs> off the pains of other people. I'm sure, I mean, I, part of me feels really bad for her because I'm sure she had no right. ill intention sure. and thought, this is fine. It's beautiful music and lesson learned. Well, I feel like in her case, it was just an innocent thing. She was just one to dance to it. Exactly. And again, being the wonderful P, uh, PC world we live in today, we overreacted. Right, and I mean, Twitter's a, a terrible thing for anyone because the internet it's in just general evil. It's a Trolls. terrible thing. But um, anyhow, speaking of the Olympics, do you know who Sam Greisman is? Oh, do I? This tell us. This person has appeared on my Tinder. <laughs> so. For those of you that don't know how Tinder works, you have uh, you have the option. You have all these different people that come up and, and these profiles, these pictures, and you can either swipe swipe left if you're not interested, or swipe right. 
And once you swipe left, usually that person does not come back. But this person has appeared on my Tinder 50 to 60 times. Tinder really wants you to. Really wants us. And and I always swipe right because it's Sally Field's son. Well, yes. So he's the son of Oscar-winning actress Sally Field. He himself is a 30-year-old director, film director. And he's apparently obsessed with Adam Rippon. And not with me. And not with Ryan Frostig. Uh, many of us are obsessed with Adam Rippon, and uh, like the head of Disney Theatricals, we have been making inappropriate <laughs> comments about his comments. ass, which for quite a while. I need, I really need to see. I, I, I hope that someday we are blessed with a picture of his ass because I, I will say, it does look kind of padded. Oh, I think it's real. I'm sure it is, but I want proof. It's real. And it's spectacular. Anyway, so Greisman has been tweeting um, tons of stuff throughout the Olympics about how m- much he loves and respects Adam Rippon. Um, he wrote, um, I hate being earnest, but an openly non-passing, sassy, beautiful, gay, 20-something, daring America not to love him and becoming the sweetheart of the Olympic Games is very moving to me. Um Meanwhile, he was texting with his mom about how much he loves Adam Rippon, and she texted back, make it happen, and then he tweeted that screen grab, and uh, and all was well and good, and then um, Sally Field retweeted one of those tweets and tagged Adam Rippon. Apparently, Sam had not been tagging Adam, he'd just right. been gushing about him to his own followers, but when Sa- when your mother is Sally Field... <laughs> People are going to listen, honey. And suddenly, so so now he he was like, "Yikes!" was his response because he was rather embarrassed that his mom who knew that Sally spilled Fields the was tea. Uh, gay pimp. She's a gay pimp, and apparently, like a real p flag mom. Yes. So Adam Rippon was asked about the situation, and he praised Field, tweeting, "Sally, she bold." <laughs> and then to Greisman, he tweeted, "Sam, your mom, I admire her." And I'm sure one day we're going to meet. So thanks, Mom. Well, it's a cute story. Adam's way too cute for him. I agree. Uh, Charles from Cornhole, you're on the air. Hey there. Um, I was just remembering that I'd seen something that was appropriate for your Pervnado piece uh, involving Brendan Fraser. Oh, did, did I miss that? one? No, what happened? It's Fraser. But yeah, what happened to uh, Brendan Fraser? This was in, uh, I get the email the, called The Skim, that's just sort of a synopsis of recent stories. Go ahead. And it says, uh, meanwhile, Brendan Fraser is speaking out about why Fraser. he took a break from acting. He says that back in '03, the then head of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, Philip Burke, groped him at a luncheon event. Mm. And says that's why the HFPA, which is the that's the body that gives out the Golden Globes, yes. uh, mostly stopped inviting him, meaning Brendan, uh, to the awards shows. So wow. anyway, how do you how do you grope somebody at a luncheon unless maybe you pass them in the men's room? Or I mean, something? a lot can go on underneath a table. Did you ever see that episode oh, well, of Sex in the City? Says. Yeah, especially if the uh, if the tablecloth is long enough. Yeah, but it is it is one of those things where you it's hard to imagine someone being so bold and so gross that you know here you are at this fancy luncheon and you're Mm -hmm. reaching under the table grabbing their cock, or saying hey let me adjust your napkin for you or something like that. Is that guy still head of the HFPA? Do you know? Uh, no, it says Burke is no longer HFPA president, but is still in the organization. He, of course, denies the allegation. So, Well, Charles, you've so made news to today say, on the ass. We have to so say th- allegedly. Yes, allegedly. and thank you so much for contributing to our, our Pervnado. Yes, and I also want to say hi to Ryan. Hi, Charles. I know, I, I know he's... he's uh, he notices when I don't say hi to him. So I'll say that. And is it still raining where you guys it's are? It's pouring, but I hear it's oh. far worse down south. My my poor friend Walt Nichols is in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, and has sent me videos of his backyard. It looks like fucking Noah's Ark. It's so it's biblical. Oh, poor Walt. Oh, God. Torrential okay. rain. But anyway, I'll, I will clear, clear your phone line, uh, but I wanted to just uh, say hi and happy birthday Thank to you. Thank you so much, sweetie. I appreciate your, your listening and your calling, and, uh, and I'm sure it's warm and dry in Arizona where you are. It's actually, yeah, really quite nice right now, unseasonably warm, as a matter of fact. Great. Enjoy. So. Bye, honey. Bye, okay. Charles. Talk later. Bye-bye. Listeners, you can call in yourself at 844-TALK-DNR. That's 844-825-5367. 
tell us if your mom would ever set you up with Adam Rippon. Um, great news about the Oscars. We were just speaking about the Golden Globes. Daniela Vega. Do you know who she is? Mm-hmm. She is a Chilean actress who has met with some acclaim, and she will be at the Oscars this year presenting. And what makes that special is she will be the first openly trans person to ever present at the Academy Awards. That's awesome. It really is. Amazing. What has what, what she been on? Uh, she was in a movie that was at the Berlin Film Festival, and Variety called her performance a multi-layered, emotionally polymorphous feat of acting. It was called A Fantastic Woman. Oh. It was her international debut. Wait, she's trans? She's trans and the character's trans too. Oh my God. I saw um, a preview for that when I saw um, Call Me By Your Name. And I've heard that it's like amazing. Well, interestingly, A Fantastic Woman, the movie, was nominated for, for an best, Oscar for yeah. Best Foreign Language Film. But she was not nominated. <gasps> it, it was, it's always a really tough category. And this year, I mean, I mean they're all amazing. It's like seriously. Meryl Streep yeah, yeah. and Frances McDormand. Um, and she's a relative unknown before this, but it's awesome that um, the movie's met with such acclaim. I wanted to use a soundbite of her, but her English isn't so good. Yeah. So it would have been hard to understand. Well, we'll definitely have to. But congratulations to Daniela Vega. When I first saw it, I was thinking of Yolanda Vega, who does the lottery drawings here in the New York tri-state area. Do you know what I'm talking about, JB? She's like, I'm Yolanda Vega, and tonight's winning numbers are, but this is Daniela Vega. Wait, but isn't Yolanda Vega an actual woman? She is a. Oh. Well, they're both actual <laughs> women. I mean, but Daniela is a trans ooh, woman. Okay, that's how they're wrong. That yes. I mean for that that kind of way. But I mean, cis. Put your foot uh, in your mouth. Jim. Yeah, I did. So sorry. A cis, a cisgendered woman. Correct. Okay. But anyway, yeah. So good for her. So look for Daniela Vega at the Oscars, uh, which is next weekend, Ryan. When we're gonna at our fucking chorus retreat, we'll we'll, we'll be we'll back. be exhausted and worn out, cranky. Sore, hungover, buttholes will be sore. <laughs> um, okay, this is a, a time for a serious news story. This is actually something I wanted to talk about last week, never got to it. And it's a weird story. Here in New York, in the state of New York, um, there have been numerous allegations of gay men being denied life insurance policies because they're on PrEP. Wow. Uh, there was a guy, I'm going to see if I get this right. There was a... Um, a guy named Philip, Dr. Philip Cheng, he began taking Truvada uh, for pre-exposure prophylaxis or PrEP um, to prevent himself from becoming HIV positive. Then he attempted to apply for a disability insurance policy and was told he could only have a five-year policy because he was on PrEP. So the New York Times did an investigation and found that this has happened a lot. Not just in New York, but in other places. Last month, the Florida-based supermarket chain Publix faced uh, backlash for refusing to cover PrEP for an employee through its insurance plan. Really? Um, by February 6th, though, they had changed their tune after a meeting with Florida Representative Carlos Guillermo Smith, who is gay. Uh, Publix confirmed to him that they had been denying insurance coverage um, because they said it was to treat a medical condition that someone might get in the future, and that's not covered in their existing plan. This is so incredibly stupid and short-sighted because people who are on PrEP are people who are specifically taking care of their bodies and preventing a disease that would be incredibly costly were they to get it. Right. PrEP is a hell of a lot cheaper to treat or to to, uh, prescribe than someone who's HIV positive and has to take expensive blood tests every six months. Right. So this investigation is ongoing. Um, but uh, LGBTQ rights advocates are up in arms uh, as well they should be. And hopefully this practice of denying people life insurance and disability insurance will stop. Meanwhile, yeah. in a lighter note, Russell Tovey has a new fiance. Oh, my goodness. Russell Tovey is the super hot British actor. Uh, people from, may remember him from Looking. Mm-hmm. Did Bef- some Broadway. Was on Broadway, showed recently. his naked ass, mm. which was delicious. Delish. Uh, he was in the movie History Boys when he was younger. Russell Tovey announced his engagement to a guy whose name is Steve Brockman. 
And gay Twitter it's a hot name. went a little crazy because Steve Brockman is not only a hot name, but he was a gay porn star for a while. Uh, uh, this well, is some of his work. This led to a backlash against the backlash with people saying, uh, here's one tweet. I don't understand why people are sad that Russell Tovey is engaged to a former porn star and saying that he'll cheat. Just because he was in porn doesn't make Steve Brockman a cheater. Don't treat them like that. It's their life, and clearly Russell has accepted his past, and so should we. Say it again for the people in the back. And I agree. I agree, too. Porn star. I mean, listen, a lot of people do porn for a lot of different yeah. reasons. Doesn't mean you're a slut. Doesn't mean you're a cheater. No, and I mean... It, not that it would be an issue if he was still doing porn, but clearly he's a f- he's a former porn star, so he's moved forward with his life, and we all should too, and let them be happy. And he's they're a- attractive. He's also exactly that. The important thing is that they're both attractive. <laughs> also, he's not only a former porn star, Ryan. He's a former rugby star. Oh, I mean, cue the sound effect. That's hot. Yeah, like, where is that sound effect? Oh, truly, <laughs> that's what that does to me. So I wish Tovey and Brockman well. And you know what? Maybe they're both slutty. Maybe they're going to have tons of sex with tons of people. Who and fucking so cares? They it's should. their business. Just a sidebar. I didn't know who Russell Tovey was, so I just Googled it. And I was like, oh, wait, he's a guy who played in the British version of Being Human. And I was like, I love that show. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's the, weird, it's the werewolf. And that final werewolf bed. And he also was in my favorite TV show that started is DC Legends of Tomorrow, too came up in a good role look at jb he's a font of knowledge yeah i need the password for this computer because it keeps um (laughs) shutting down and i can't no one's on the phone right okay thanks everyone (laughs) um so yeah i loved russell tovey in history boys especially and he was also good in looking although he was playing kind of an unlikable character didn't he make news though a couple years ago for like a controversial comment about being thankful that he's like masculine or something he said some shit about like his life was easier essentially because he could pass as straight and he was masculine acting but i didn't really take it as he was slamming femme guys no just saying like i'm not one and that those guys take a lot of shit I, i think i'm remembering that correctly yeah i mean it it definitely is easier if you like especially depending on you know where you are like if you're in a, a very conservative environment um it's probably less difficult to go about your life if you're not like a big old femme queen exactly but um yeah i mean if, listen, if you are there's no question okay. that mask guys have an easier time in american society particularly as children right. than femme guys that is not a statement about no. their worth or their value that's a it's statement fact. about homophobia and femphobia mm-hmm. and the fact that you know they can pass yeah you know anyone who can pass as anything is going to have an easier time in a homophobic racist hateful world they that we now in. have thanks president what trump a wonderful place it's wonderful yeah um, in lighter news, though, mm-hmm. God, how did we get so dark? We were talking about porn stars and Let's beautiful go back to talking about that. Yeah, um, it's time now, Ryan, and this is the first time I think you're live on the air while we're doing this for our weekly cocktails and cock talk story. And now, time for another stupid story from cocktails and cocktalk.com. Yeah, suck my cock. <laughs> You had the some little, thoughts about my bumper. The little voice has grown on me. The creepy little... Cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> it made me laugh. The audio is terrible. It's, I, it's For some reason, the record level was very low. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to do these things. Apparently, I'm the, good. I'm the only person on DerekandRomaine.com that does all my own imaging. There's uh, some imaging factory yep. at other people's disposal <laughs> sure. that I am not you privy no to. to. No it. one's ever offered to do anything for me. But uh, I do my best with You're, my... I think it's... Fabulous. With my two tin cans. Oh, excuse me. Your five-minute intro, I, I had worked on. I had did that. Yeah. What five-minute intro? The one before the show that we put on with the trivia. I had made that. Well, that's just a clip. <laughs> Not the whole thing. I'm talking about actual imaging where it's like, you know, cock-tonk. You know, something like that. Like with sound effects and like music. And, yeah, like the opening. I did the opening myself. I could do that for you if you like. Yeah, more imaging, please. 
Let's image the fuck out of this. Image show. the fuck. It's weird that it's called imaging, right? Because it's yeah. You, there's no yeah. image. It's it's very radio. confusing to me. Anyway, here's your cocktails and cock talk. We have two stories, Ryan. I'm ready. Uh, the first one is a, an article called "Tips for Tops That Want a Bottom," I otherwise can... known as bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> We're all bottoms on the on the inside. Cocktails and Cock Talk have teamed up with Dr. Evan Goldstein of Best Spoke Surgical. He's apparently spending a lot of money uh, to constantly be interviewed on their website. I am receiving no money, by the way, to always be promoting this website, and I think it's time that that changed. Anyway, uh, Dr. Goldstein says, I believe there are four gay things that help make your first-time bottoming more pleasurable and less prone to injury. And those four things are? Anyone want to guess? Hmm. Lube is lube one of them. Plenty of lube. That's right. on the list. Katie uh, yes. says breathing. Relaxation is number one. All right, one Douching. point for Katie. Douching is not on the list. Ooh, I, I believe it should be, but that's more about hygiene than um, safety Com- and safety comfort. comfort I want to say yeah. eating the booty hole. Y- eating the booty hole was not on his list. Surprisingly, uh, it, sh- it should have been. Uh, uh, relaxes really everything. Ding-ding. Communication. What? Okay. And finally, proper positioning. Yeah. Oh, okay, position. That yeah. makes sense. Dr. Goldstein did not say anything about poppers, <laughs> uh, which, although they can facilitate um, entry, they've also been known to cause anal capillaries to pop and bleed. Shut and nobody up. wants a bloody dick no. when you pull out. Um, if it's your first time bottoming or something you've only done once in a blue moon and or your partner is particularly big or girthy... Mm-hmm. Lucky you, I say. Goldstein right. recommends dilating. Huh. Have you ever heard of this? No. What is that? They don't really explain what you use to dilate, but I assume that means sticking something up there. Isn't mm-hmm. it like Kegel exercises? No. Di- dilating, uh, Katie, maybe you can ex- explain this. For women, I mean, when you're dilated, that's when your vagina is open Katie, before, you, before the baby comes out. And I know that trans women have to, um, if they get... Uh, um, Genital surgery, they have to dilate on a regular basis using a rod to keep the opening from closing up. So I, maybe there's some kind of rod that we stick up our butts. That sounds I mean, dilating horrible. definitely comes natural to pregnant women. So I don't know how you do it manually, but it is the <laughs> expansion of the cervix. Well, he says this dilating will help your muscles relax and also help lubricate the entire anal canal. I hate that word. Anal canal. It's a canal for I'd love to. uh, 15 miles on the (laughs) anal canal. I got a mule. Her name is Sal. 15 miles on the anal canal. There's really no such thing as too much lube, he says. I agree with that. Yes. Yes. The more, the merrier. The, The website says, hear this, hennies. Lube is your friend. This ain't Brokeback Mountain. Y'all leave the spit and pick up the real deal. Meanwhile, positioning. He says the best position, and I disagree with this, is for the bottom to start out on top. I always do that. Really? Mm -hmm. I hate being on top when I'm the bottom. Because I want to have control over those first few moments. Because for me, that's the most... That's... It's a very vulnerable time. Like, that's a make it or break it for me. I see the logic, but there's something about sitting on a cock that makes me feel like I'm taking a shit. Yeah, I (laughs) I, I can't do it. That is not a sexy position for me. I want to be on all fours with my ass up in the air. That is when I feel most open. Ass open to the wind. Stick it in. (laughs) Here I am. That is the first time I'm hearing this. People at my birthday party who are listeners of the show were quoting Romaine last night. And Ryan had no idea what they were talking about. I have been about. on the show several times and have never heard that before. Now I'm in the know. That's the famous ass open to the wind. Anyway, he says being on top is good for the bottom. Um, he says to remember it's not a marathon. There's yes. no rush or harm in taking things slow. Um, things like length, girth, and curvature of the top's penis, as well as the overall position of the bottom's pelvis, is key here. Uh, he says penises comes in all come in all shapes and sizes. But so do anuses. Huh. And they slot together like a lock and key. Some fit more comfortably than others. You know, that is so true. That is. I have had dicks that when they went in me, it felt like this is where that dick has always belonged. Yes. Like it was meant like to be. Like the perfect penis? Just the perfect penis for my particular yeah, anus. I 100% agree. Totally get that. Do you know where yeah. it just goes like, it just locks in. <laughs> and then I've had dicks... That were great looking, but they just didn't feel good. And sometimes there are dicks. Not filling that spot. 
you know with magnets how when you like do the opposite how they kind of like yeah sometimes there are dicks they that repel just each won't other go in <laughs> no matter how clearly yeah it's presented presented <laughs> well, they just don't if, want if to it's so fucking thick i mean i have this one friend he knows who he is. <laughs> his, dick is too, his dick is just too thick for a bottom like me. I mean, if you were yeah. a power bottom and you've been fisted, you could probably take it easily, but it's sure. ju- it just doesn't go all the way in. Um, finally, good communication, he says, Dr. Goldstein says, is equally important to let your top know what works and what doesn't. Don't be afraid to speak up. If you're not having fun, your top probably oh, isn't either. I will let a hoe know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I will say, please stop. Let's try something else. I can't. Yeah. And the more tense you are, the more likely you will be to clinch up. Yeah. I think they mean clench up. Clinch means something different. Clench up, which is what something you want to avoid. I, I had to learn this as a bottom because I, I used to be the world's worst bottom. Mm-hmm. I could never take it. And I learned that instead of tensing up, you have to just let all of your control just go and just breathe it. deep mm-hmm. and just tell yourself, I can take this. I'll you can. Okay. And and also, like, what I have learned is that you really just, once you get past those first few moments, it's amazing. It's it's thrilling. It's exhilarating. It's the most but, fun you'll ever have. But that first 60, 60 to 90 seconds, it's tough. Ooh, it's you got to push past that pain ring. Yeah. Okay. And finally, speaking of curved penises, um, it turns out that having a curved penis is linked to a specific kind of cancer. The condition known as penile fibrosis or Pironi's disease, Pironi's or Peyronie's, it's actually due to a buildup of scar tissue that develops underneath the skin of the penis. We're not talking about like a nice natural banana curve. We're talking about an extreme curve. It's noticeable during erections and can be painful and make sex difficult. This new study finds that people with with these with this Peyronie's disease were at a 40% higher risk of testicular and stomach cancers and a 29% increased risk of skin cancer. So, uh, the the study advises men who have this condition to be monitored for cancer. Between 0.5 and 13% of of men in the US may be suffering from Peyronie's without even knowing it. So if you or your partner notice a curvature of the penis, in other words, you didn't, your dick wasn't always this curved, it just becomes more curved, mm-hmm. then it's worth going to see your doctor and, uh, and, and uh, being examined and screened for these kinds of cancers. I, there, go ahead. I was just thinking, I mean, that, I, that sounds quite frightening, um, but there's something kind of sexy about like a slight curve upward like a banana like a banana it's delicious those are the best dicks to suck but the the if it curves the other way like east west it's no good that's i mean a little bit is okay but when it's like when it's like a a, the shape of a comma (laughs) you're like what am i supposed to do with this my butt isn't shaped that way you know i don't want i don't want no fucking punctuation going into my hole on that note it's time to speak to our live guest. We had hoped to have him slash her in studio, but instead we have them on the phone. Michael Musto once described our guest as the love child of Liza Minnelli and Johnny Weir. You can currently see him on Fusion TV's hit show Shade Queens of New York. He is one of New York City's favorite drag queens who does it all, including singing his own songs. Take a listen to this. Hit it, hey, baby. Can't you hear that boom, 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 baby? You got that super big Yes, and please welcome to the ass, Marty Gold Cummings. Hi. Oh, Marty, where the fuck are you? Why aren't you here with us? Are you there? I'm here. Yes. Hi, Marty. I'm so sorry. I got my schedule all fucked up and got caught up. Um, but I'm happy to be. I love that my intro was talking about penises that curve and how they curve. Yes, <laughs> does yours curve? Uh, yeah, I got a little bit of a curve. Up okay. or to the side? 
I think my I think mine is curved though from years of tucking. I think I just bent it. So you do tuck. That was going to be my, one of my questions for you. I used to not. I used to just let it all hang out, and if you saw a ball drop, oh well. Yeah. Some um, people love a nice meaty tuck. I, girl, my tuck was meatier than a Chipotle burrito bowl, okay? <laughs> I, I, like I the started sound of tucking that. when there was a picture on Facebook, and my mom called me, and she said, if I see your dick hang out of your dress one more time. <laughs> so I started tucking just to get my mom off my back. There's nothing like shade from your mom about your dick. Oh, my God. That's incredible. My mom is the shadiest. Give her a box of wine on a Sunday, and she'll tell me everything. <laughs> Marty, you are seriously, I think, the hardest working queen in New York City. I want you to tell the listeners, just go through your weekly schedule, because I know you have shows every single night of the week. Tell, tell, tell listeners my, where they can see you when you're in New York. Well, my weekly schedule, so on Sundays, you can see me at Pieces during Bingo during the day. Uh, 5 o'clock to 8 p.m. And then Sunday night I do a show called The Late Late Show at uh, Hardware and Health Kitchen where I um, showcase up-and-coming queens, baby queens, giving them a, a platform. Uh, and then my Monday night show is called Stage Fright and we have Broadway guests. We've had Alan coming. We've had Kathy and Jimmy. Uh, we have Ann Ranking coming up, which I'm really excited about. And that's um, a therapy lounge. That's a therapy, yeah. And we're... Uh, what else do I do? Wednesdays I do a, a variety show with at Rise Bar with Aquaria and Bootsy the Ferris and Brenda Darling. And then Thursdays I host RuPaul's Drag Race at Boxers in Hell's Kitchen. And I also do, uh, I'm the host of the Ultimate Drag Pageant, which is a drag competition for new drag queens. Wow. I mean, that's, I'm exhausted just it's amazing. hearing that because I know that. That's just my weeklies. I didn't, I didn't tell you about my monthlies. <laughs> I mean, and for each of those shows, you have to constantly be preparing new material. You can't do the same shit every week for the same crowd. So, are yeah. you? Do you sleep? How, how, what is your daily <laughs> life like? Well, you know, it's like I, you know, I have like a set repertoire, so we can, you know, there's maybe like a, say there's like a hundred songs in my rep, and we rotate them in and out uh, based on guests and the and the night, and then I'll, I try to add about. I try to bring in about four new numbers a month uh, to add to the lineup. Sensible. But still, I mean, you must be just constantly, like, dragging your ass. You've got to be tired all the time. Yeah, but I like it. Like, I love it. Like, I, I, uh, if I wasn't busy, you know, I don't know what I would do. I like the hustle. I like the excitement of it. I like the drama of it. I like the chaos. You know what I mean? Like, the controlled chaos. I like that. Sure. Um, it's fun for me, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, for me, it's like, I'd rather be busy and working and doing all these shows than not booked, you Absolutely. know, so I mean, the alternative. That's what success is. I guess I, I wouldn't know myself, <laughs> but I just, Oh I, my God. <laughs> I, I mean, I look at any drag queen and I think like I could never do it because of the amount of time it takes even to just get into makeup and costume and all that. Plus the, the, the energy that you have, the just the, the you have to be on, man, like a hundred percent when you're on that stage, and you are. Thanks. Well, I, you know, like I enjoy it. Like I like, I love being on the stage. I love entertaining people. So an opportunity to do that is an opportunity to just have fun, you know. And I think a lot of these new drag queens see drag on TV and they say, "Oh, I can do that," but it's like, okay, well, what is your motivation? Who is your drag inspiration outside of a television program? Like, do you know your history? Do you know who Lipsinka is? Do you know who Viola Jean Merman is? Like, why do you do, what excites you about drag? Um, so I really want these young girls to, like, find that excitement and, like, do their, their homework. So Because I think it will make drag that much more fun for them. That was one of my questions for you. When you got started, and, and even now, like, who are your drag influences and who are the references that, that most kind of shaped your drag? Well, when I started drag professionally, Drag Race was only on the air for, it wasn't on the air, air very long, and it wasn't as popular as it is today. So my, when, when I started, there was only a few bars doing drag in the city, and the drag queens that were working were Shaquita, Head of Lettuce, Sherry Vine, uh, Peppermint, uh, and so that's kind of who I looked up to, you know, and, um, and then I did my homework, and I realized that I, I love Coco Peru. I love Miss Richfield and Tina Martina, uh, and they kind of Charles Bush. Oh, um, one of my favorites. Uh, you know, uh, incredible. Charles has been a guest at my show three times now, I think. Um, 
and he's just incredible. You know, like, so I like that classic, funny, campy, kind of irreverent drag. And, uh, you know, that's what I, that's what I like. And that's what kind of gave me my inspiration when I was starting out. Marty, my co-host Ryan Frostig has a question for you. Hi, Marty. Yeah, baby. Hi, so, babe. First of all, I, I have to tell you, um, the first time I ever saw you perform, you had a show at the Ritz. And oh my God. Yeah. I was there for a long time. Yeah. Years. And, um, I was, uh, brought there by a date who <laughs> was probably one of the worst dates I have ever uh, been with, been on. Oh my God. Uh, and I really wanted to, um, like after we went out for dinner, I really wanted to just like hate fuck him, but he brought me to your show instead. So that was probably, you know, a, a good well, thing, but he thing. was, same but that was my, that was my first time ever seeing you. And I've seen you a couple times since, um, my question, though, uh, while we're talking about influences, is that you you have a, a theater background, right? Uh, yeah. So that has probably also, in some way, inspired your your drag. I mean, I think that queens that have theater backgrounds are just going to instantly be um, more advanced performers and like. Well, I think New York City. Uh, I think we're very lucky with our drag queens because most of us moved here because of the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh. So most queens in New York City have that theatrical uh, background because that's what we wanted to do, and, and right. we got into drag. So New York is very, very our audiences are very lucky. I'm, I'm not saying for myself, but for all the other queens, you know, they're very lucky uh, that they have these girls who have put on productions and they know how to do shows and they know um, showmanship. And uh, you know, I started drag because <laughs> I wasn't getting booked anymore. So I started, I was like, well, I got to make money as a performer. Sure. What do I do? Um, but, you know, that, that was before there were shows like Kinky Boots and, and Priscilla and all that stuff, you know. Right. Um, but uh, I love it. Like, I love that drag gives me an opportunity to play any role I want. I can sing any song I want and, and make it my own. And I get to play parts that I never be cast in because of my drag character. I can cast myself in it. And that- it's so much that's why I started doing stand-up is because I wanted to do an act I wanted to to be basically act in plays but no one was ever going to cast me so I was like oh I'll just write my own material and perform that yeah you know exactly. it does, does you, give you freedom do you know what's so funny it's like I I mean I did show, I got started in drag because I was doing this show off Broadway and the character was uh drag ish and uh and, and so that got me like started in it but then I I stopped getting in uh I, well, I didn't get stopped getting cast. I stopped getting cast in the stuff that made me happy. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, the roles just weren't, I wasn't happy with them. And so for me, it was about, like, finding that happiness as a performer and what's going to make me happy. And now what's so funny about it is I'm getting cast in stuff uh, all the time because of my drag. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I'm now getting roles I want it because of. I do drag. Right. It gets me noticed. It's like you've come full circle now. Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, I've been doing drag for eight years as a living. So to see the progress, I mean, I was so ugly when I started too. So now to see the progression of of where I've come and and the marketability of it is like really exciting. Well, what's interesting is I remember years ago, every time I would see you do drag, you didn't wear wigs. You you performed with your own natural hair. I don't think you were ever ugly. I think you're a beautiful person. But then that was person. You're very you're very kind. I looked like the other sister. I was just, <laughs> I, I always like, I'm just like that girl. Like, and I'm Judy. Just like, that's awful. Uh, but, uh, but that I, was I, your I identity. Drag, like that was like a big yeah, part of like my your identity, you know, brand, but it made it, it made it fun. Like it was my brand for a long time. And I was talking to a drag friend on the subway the other day about, um, you know, drag queen starting out and finding your market, marketability and branding yourself and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, God, it's so funny because I, I just, I had barely a stitch of makeup on. I was untucked. I didn't wear wigs. I, I was singing in the wrong key. Like, how did I get hired? Like, who thought this was a good idea uh, to hire me? And my friend said to me, she was like, well, you sold your personality. And that's what got you the gig. Right. And, and so I like to say to girls now when I'm like having them as guests, or I'm like, don't worry about what you look like. Worry about how you feel on stage. If you feel confident and you're having fun, you'll sell the show. It doesn't yeah. matter what you look like. And eventually you'll figure out what aesthetic works for you and it will continue to evolve. Like my drag is evolving. I think the minute you're a drag queen and you say, oh, 
I haven't figured out what my look is. Well, you're lying. Yeah. You know, you should always be experimenting and trying new things, you know? And now you're wearing uh, wigs. She's wearing wigs. And she looks gorgeous in them. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I just look like a Clydesdale, that's all. There was a... I, I, if I, I always... Go, oh, no, I was going to say, that I just saw, um, I think it was over the holidays, you did a, a photo shoot. It was you, Pixie, Bob. Uh, oh, Yuha. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. You all looked incredible. Like, the dolls. Like, it was... It was I love those girls. Yeah. The well, that photo's very edited. <laughs> well, yeah, but... Marty, so. stop putting yourself down. You're a glamorous, glamorous creature. The the elephant in Thanks. the room that we must address is why haven't we seen you on RuPaul's Drag Race? Clearly, you could be uh, a very strong contender. Truly. You're very sweet. Uh, I, you know, it's so funny. I, I've been getting that question a lot this week because they announced the new season. And so and and whenever new the new season is announced, I always get the question, well, when are you on? Why are you on? And I've auditioned for many years, and I've gotten great feedback from the casting people, and, you know, and I, it's my favorite show on TV. Uh, but right now I'm at a place where I, I have my show, Shade Queens, on Fusion. And, yes. And I'm, I'm a producer and creator of that show, and I'm one of the stars. And, and I decided this year for season 11 I'm not going to audition for Drag Race because I just see myself going in a different direction. You know, like I... I feel this isn't like I don't want to sound like negative or bitter because I'm not. Uh, but I think it's like I think you have to make a decision in your career. Where do you think you excel? What makes you excel? And for me, I think I really excel in branding myself, uh, how I brand it myself. And like being the drag queen who does politics now and who has their own TV show and does this stuff. And I feel like I'm traveling to like four different countries in the next year uh, already um, and all these different places, you know, and I, and I have a good booking fee. And, and so I feel like if I go on Drag Race, like, if I don't do well, I don't want that to affect the career I've already built for myself. So I want to just, like, keep focusing on, like, my journey. And maybe, maybe for season 12 I'll audition again. But right now things are looking pretty good. So I, think, I, I think that's really sensible. And, you know, I, uh, one of the things the show has done is it's made drag uh, so respectable and so mainstream that I think it's boosted the career's of all talented drag queens. You don't have to be yeah. on the show to, to be successful. Well, you know, like, I would have never been able to sell this show to Fusion if Drag Race wasn't on TV. Right. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, RuPaul, I, I bowed down to her business. Um, yeah. She changed the game. My, she, she's business savvy. She's smart, you know? And I, it, it's because of RuPaul that I'm able to have my own TV show, you know? There's, yeah. there's Katya and Trixie have their own show. The Boulay brothers have their... Um, drag competition show for like alternative drag, which is super successful. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime now, and and we have our show on Fusion, and we just signed a deal with Spectrum, so we'll be on not just Verizon FiOS this year, but we'll be on Spectrum Time Warner, which opens us up to a bazillion more homes. And um, I just know that, like for me, like I uh, I just think I'm on a different path. I'm always going to be a fan of Drag Race. I'm always going to watch it. I'm always going to support my sisters on it. But for me, my journey, I just have this gut feeling that it's different. Right. And I want other queens to know that, like, Drag Race is an amazing platform. Audition for it. Keep putting yourself out there. But also know that, like, there's other opportunities that you can create for yourself. So if you don't get on Drag Race, know that you can still be successful and it's not the end all. Like, you are capable of building yourself up. I think that's uh, very wise. Marty, we're, I, before we run out of time, I really do want to talk about your political activism because sure. not only are you the president of the Hell's Kitchen Democrats, but you created a, a kind of a revolution in democratic politics <laughs> in New York City. The New York Times wrote about it. That's how major it was. Can you explain to us what you did in, in creating the Hell's Kitchen Democrats and becoming the president? Um, well, I'm very, like, I, I was saying to someone the other day, I was saying, some interview the other day and, and they were asking about it and I said, you know, for years I've been this kind of like crazy comedy queen who tells poop jokes and dick jokes and their balls are hanging out, you know, like all oh, this like wild stuff. And that's like what I was known for. And then Donald Trump came down that escalator and said that an entire group of people were rapists and mm -hmm. drugged, you know, and I was like, well, that's not right. Uh, you know? Um, 
And I and I was at a show making a joke about that and how just absurd it is that this is where we're at in our country. And, and you know, I put it into my stand-up act, as most comedians have done since then. And the owner of this venue was like, you know, that makes straight people uncomfortable and me uncomfortable and you shouldn't be joking about, you know... Try, and I was like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? Like, he's a douchebag. I'm in a gay bar, all right? Like, I'm right. Gonna, like, Mike Pence wants to electrocute us, you know? I need to, like, fuck you. Trying to censor me about, like, fuck you, you know? <laughs> and so I quit the bar, and I got a job somewhere else. Because I was just like, you know what? What bar was and it? it? Kind of like, oh, it doesn't matter. It does to me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, uh, it, it was the bar uh, Vodka Soda Bottoms Up. And I wow. and they've had a lot of problems with the allegations of the owner calling people the N-word. There's been a lot of public ah. allegations mm. against them. And, and I'm just very grateful to not work there anymore. But um, I, uh, you know, it kind of was a light bulb moment for me where I was like, wow, my drag has the, the capability. I have, uh, I'm certainly not like famous, but I also am well aware that a lot of people come to see my shows and a lot of people follow me on social media. And I thought, well, my, if my voice can help that one kid in my audience know that there's somebody fighting for them while they're scared to go home for the holidays because their family voted against their interests. If I can just touch that one person and let them know somebody cares about them, uh, then wow, what an awesome thing to do. And so I, I started researching um, political action, all this stuff, and I saw that our club in Hell's Kitchen was not very active, and one of the heads of it was one of the owners of Bottoms Up, and I was like, oh my God, they're not even real Democrats, and they're fake. And uh, <laughs> and they were an organization that had, had been in power in the neighborhood for, for like 50 years. 125 years. 125. 125 years. They were the last remaining Tammany Hall Club in the entire country. They were one of the oldest political institutions in the entire United States. And I put on my Facebook... Uh, that I wanted to start this club, and I didn't know how to do it, but if you wanted to join, let's do it. And my friend Mark Robinson said, let's have our first meeting in my living room. And we had 10, 15 people there, and now we have a membership of almost 1,000. Wow. And uh, we knocked out the other club, the oldest club in the country. And uh, I'm very proud of that, you know. I'm proud. To, you know, it's like these ki- I'm so proud watching these kids from Florida, like, taking a stand because they're the people who are going to change our country, not these old white men who are going to be dead in 15 years. But these young kids who are able to vote in the primary coming up and in the 2020 election. And so if my drag is able to give the young people a voice and let them know that they have the ability to change the world, uh, even if it's just block by block in their own neighborhood, then they should use their voice. I'm, it's the proudest Marty, thing I've ever done in my drag. it's such an inspiring story, and it shows you that anyone can make a difference if they just fucking get off their ass and do it. If they have the will... They can they can do it, and I'm I'm just thrilled that you're doing that, and I wish you continued Thanks. success, both on stage and off. How can people Thanks. follow you on social media? Uh, on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, I think it's all the same thing. It's just at M A R T I G C U M M I N G S Marty G Cummings on my website, MartyGCummings.com, and if you want to join the Health Kitchen Democrats, it's HKDems.org uh, or .net. Uh, and you have Check a website as well. Also. Yeah, the Health Kitchen Democrats website is, is uh, hkdems. I think it's, it's either .org or .net, but we have a Facebook page, Health Kitchen Democrats, and you can join our movement. And Marty, your uh, parents named you Marty with an I. Were they expecting a drag queen? <laughs> they wanted to name me, oh my God, they wanted to name me Perth Amboy. After the city in New Jersey? New Jersey. Yes! <laughs> they wanted to name me Perth Amboy, and my grandmother said, oh my God, fuck that. Uh, and so I don't know if her choice was much better, but she, there's a town in Switzerland that her mother's family is from named Marty, and she said, let's, let's name this baby Marty. And they, they did, and I was my mom's last kid. My brother's 15 years older than me, so after I was born, my mom had a six-pack and a pizza. And, uh, <laughs> and here I am. But I, I love it. You know, my parents... They're rock stars. They're crazy. Marty, thank you so much for being here on The Ass. I hope next time we get to see you in person. I want to thank... I'm so sorry for the confusion today. No problem, sweetie pie. You'll make it up to me. I want to thank Ryan Frostig for co-hosting. Next week, Joey DeGrandis will be back in the co-host seat. Our guest will be the hilarious comedians Joanne Filan and Irene Bremis. Subscribe to Derek and Romaine. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Sank and download my comedy album, Adam Sank, live from the Stonewall Inn. Have a fabulous week, bitches. Bye. Bye.